The scripture this morning, Mark 4, Jesus calms the storm. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? Matthew 22, Jesus walks on the water. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when, he got into, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I don't know about you, but I love storms. Anybody out there really like storms? I love to sit out on the porch and watch them come in. Love the thunder, hearing the rain get started slowly and then get harder and harder. But I've been in a couple storms that I did not like. Okay, I've been in a couple of situations that I was unsure about the storms. I was one time vacationing in the Outer Banks and some storms came along. They weren't even that big of storms, but we could see off in the distance water spouts, you know, sort of tornado looking things with water going up in the air. I did not like that so much. One time I was at a camp doing some work on a ropes course, which means I'm next to a bunch of big tall poles with metal cable going between them. And we got caught in a lightning storm, me and a big group of people, and we're all huddled under the nearest pavilion we could get to, which was not near big enough for all of us. And uh, that was a storm that increased my prayer life. Um, Two years ago, uh, right at this time, my family was in Disney World when Hurricane Matthew came in. Uh, We actually managed to miss it because I was down there to do a wedding in Tampa. So right as the hurricane was coming in, we, with the rest of Florida, were trying to head west. And what should have been an hour drive was a four-hour drive. But we managed to miss most of it. Still, 
I felt the early winds, it's kind of the pre-winds before the hurricane got there, and I could tell I did not want to be there for that storm. One time I got to go sailing on Lake Erie, and actually we were sailing around in the bay. There's a, there's a, a thing called Presque Isle that comes out. So we were, we were sailing on the bay. It was kind of a rainy, windy day, but the bay wasn't too bad. And so uh, the person who was, was, uh, was steering the boat said, let's go out on the lake a little bit so you can feel what that is like. And I felt what that was like. Okay, even though that wasn't even a bad storm, I was moving and I was shaking and I wasn't feeling real good after a little bit and uh, decided I did not want to be out on Lake Erie for a big storm. Storms are something we've all experienced. And they've long been a metaphor for difficult or choppy times in our lives. Today, we're looking at two storms that Jesus shared with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Now, to understand these storms, you've got to understand the Sea of, of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, if it was in Erie would, or in Pennsylvania, would be called a lake. Okay, it's not real big. When we think sea, we think big sea. Okay, over there in Israel, it's just a little sea. About 13 miles long, about 7 miles wide at its widest part. It's about 64 square miles. If you want to put it for a reference point, you could fit the Sea of Galilee 155 times on Lake Erie. Okay, about two and a half times bigger than the Pima Tuning Reservoir, which I'm sure a lot of you have been to. About two and a half times that. It's not real big. It's only about 150 feet deep, although it's much more shallow in a lot of places. But it is about 650 feet below sea level. Okay, so it's very, very low. And around it is sort of this bowl of mountains. That's partially why Jesus likes to teach there, because he can stand on the beach or in a boat. And the people can sit on a hillside and he gets an amphitheater. Because remember, in those days, there's no sound system. Okay, so he's got to get to where people can hear him. The challenge is because it's kind of this bowl and because it's, such, um, it's so low below sea level, the storms come in very quickly and you can't see them. And the other thing that happens is as hot air rises out of that valley, cool air can then come into the valley and there are these ravines in the hillsides. So the winds not only start coming in, but they sort of aim and torpedo out across the water so that even this little sea of Galilee is often compared to the wind that you get on a big lake like Lake Erie um, because of these ravines that shoot the wind across. Jesus spent a lot of time on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, he called four fishermen from the Sea of Galilee to be his disciples. Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John, the sons of Zebedee. So probably Peter and Andrew were a little bit older. They had their own sort of fishing business. Uh, James and John are assumed to be younger because they're still fishing and learning the trade with their father. These are people who knew the boats, who knew the sea. They had their own boats. Um, and so many times in the Gospels, they travel across the sea instead of going all the way around the sea. They probably traveled on a boat that you're going to see here in a moment. Um, the boat was discovered at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee during a drought. And uh, go to the next one. That's the Sea of Galilee. Uh, here's Peter and Andrew getting called. Go to the next one. Okay, this, uh, the, the ruins you see on the left were actually a boat that's dated from about the time of Jesus. Okay, that was preserved on the bottom of the sea and was exposed during a drought a few years back. It's typically called the Jesus boat because a lot of people think of it as the kind of boat that Jesus would have been on. 
Um, and so imagine it's just a little boat, okay? We're not like a big ship. It's a little boat. And um, Jesus tells them to go on this little boat across the sea. And on the sea, a giant windstorm comes. Jesus is not with them. He has gone to the mountain to pray and says he'll catch up later. They don't know how he's going to do that, but he does. Or, no, sorry, this story, they're with him. Okay, Jesus is in the stern. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been doing all kinds of stuff. And the text says he's in, he's in the back of the boat, laying on a cushion or a pillow, and he's sleeping. He's tired. Of course he's tired. Then a storm comes in. The wind is rocking this boat, and even the fishermen are worried. Okay, now think about that. These are people. It's probably Peter and Andrew's boat. Okay, they know this boat. They know this water. Okay, these are not people like you or me that maybe don't boat that much. These are people that have professionally their whole lives fished on this very sea. And they're terrified like they're going to die. They are freaked out. And they get kind of mad, perturbed that Jesus is sleeping through this. So they go to him and they say, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you care that we're dying here? Jesus gets up and he first rebukes the storm. Peace, be still. And the wind suddenly stops. And the passage says there's a great calm, almost like, um, like an eerie kind of calm, like a whoa. The waves and the wind are perfectly calm. Like it's totally like a glass surface. There's not a wave anywhere to be seen. And they're almost freaked out more by the calm than they were the storm. No waves, no ripple, no wind. Nature 100% submits to his command. Then he turns to rebuke them, right? And having already rebuked the wind and the storm, it's almost unnecessary, okay? When he says to the storm, be still, peace, be still, probably they should have been at peace, right? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And I love the response. Mark tells us, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? They were terrified of the storm. Now they're kind of terrified of Jesus. And they remember in the Old Testament that you know who nature listens to? God. The waves, the seas, the world submits to God. Who is this? He's not just a good teacher. Maybe he's something more. Later on in Jesus' ministry, he does a great miracle in that region. He's sitting on those hills above the sea, and he's got 5,000 people there, and he feeds them with only a couple loaves and fish. Then he insists that the disciples go across the sea ahead of him. He'll catch up later. They don't know how. He finishes teaching, dismisses them uh, by evening, he is up on the mountain praying, and the disciples are trying to get across the water. But they get out to sea, and the wind is against them. They're in this windstorm, and they can't move, which is a big deal because, again, four of them are fishermen. They're probably on their boat. They know these waters, and they can't get any farther. They're just fighting the wind, and they can't quite understand it. The night in those days was divided into watches. So you went first, second, third, and fourth watch. The fourth watch was considered the darkest hour. That's from three to six, where if you've been up all night fighting the wind, 
you are really, really tired by this point. Okay, so about three, four, five in the morning, Jesus comes walking across the water. Now, they've never read this story before. Okay, you all know he's going to walk across this water. When you were kids, you saw it on a flannel graph, probably, the little character walk across the water. But they've never heard this story before. They're living it. So at three, four, five in the morning, somebody comes walking across the water. They're not expecting it to be Jesus. They're not expecting it to be anybody. Okay, the boat can't get across. No person could swim across. And they definitely can't walk on top of the water. And so they're freaking out. But Jesus encourages them. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Now the Greek sort of, the the English translation sort of missed this, but when it says, it is I, there's a great wonder if maybe Jesus says instead, I am. Okay, and if he says I am, that means he's looking back at the Old Testament. That was the name of God. God says, I am that I am. Peter suddenly gets this great idea. If it's really you, then command me to come out on the water. Okay? Notice none of the other disciples have this idea. Okay? (laughs) Peter, always a little brash, always a little, ah, go get him. But Peter is also a disciple. This is really, really important for us to understand because when we use the term disciple, we normally think of somebody learning to know what their master knows, what their rabbi, their teacher knows. But in those days, a disciple was somebody who actually wanted to copy their master. Okay, so if you were a disciple, you ate like your master ate and you dressed like your master dressed and you went everywhere that your master went because a disciple was trying to be like their rabbi not just find out about their rabbi. In fact, there's stories of of disciples hiding in closets or under the bed to find out how their rabbi did everything. And I mean everything, okay? You wanted to copy every facet of the life of your rabbi. And so Peter is right. If If his rabbi is gonna walk on the water, then as a good disciple, I ought to walk on the water too, right? So Jesus says, come on. So he he gets out of the boat. And I can imagine him sort of slowly stepping out, you know, just touching his toe in the water and then another one. And then he's still sort of hanging on to the boat. Forgot that was there. (laughs) And then finally he lets go and he starts walking. And I got to imagine Peter's like, this is kind of cool. You know what I mean? I'm doing this. And he's he's kind of walking gingerly and he's looking at Jesus and he's excited. And then remember that the windstorm is still going on, right? And I think Peter in his excitement kind of forgets this storm that's been holding the boat that the fishermen should know how to get through. And then all of a sudden he looks around and starts saying, oh man, I'm doing this. Okay, you ever gotten into something and then you sort of realize, oh man, I'm doing this. Um, and, And then he starts to think. And he starts to freak out. He starts to notice the wind. He starts to notice the the waves. And Jesus comes over, grabs him by the hand and says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I always felt this was a little hard on Peter. He's the only one got out of the boat, right? (laughs) Like, if he doesn't have faith and he got out of the boat, what does that mean for the other 11? Um, That they didn't even think about getting out of the boat? Peter's got a little more faith than I probably would have. I don't know about you. 
So they get back on the boat and suddenly the wind is gone. And they bow down and worship him and confess him to be the son of God. See, both storms end up at the same point with them kind of wondering who this guy is that can calm these storms and confessing that he is the son of God. Now, there will be storms in life, right? It's false to believe that you're, there's this belief out there, because I'm a Christian, these things shouldn't happen to me, right? But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus tells his disciples, no, in this life you will face trials. He just says, I've overcome the world. He just says that he's going to be with them. Sometimes storms come fast and scare us. Sometimes they come slowly and scream and sort of creep into our lives over years. Some of you have been through storms that have been around for a long time. And you're tired of fighting the storms. Can you identify with the panic of these disciples? Have you ever thought that you were going to die? Maybe you actually were. Have you ever thought that maybe you were going to metaphorically die? And you just said to God, I cannot fight this wind anymore. I have nothing left to give. I have no strength to keep trying. I have no tears left to shed. Can you identify with the disciples when they're mad at Jesus for sleeping? You ever been through something in your life and you think, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? I've been going through this and I feel like I'm all alone and I keep praying and I keep asking and I don't know where the pillow is that you're sleeping on, but you're not with me. You ever felt that way about God? So we complain to God. We ask him to take away the storm. But you probably discovered that he does not always calm the storm. In part, I think sometimes God lets us have storms because storms are opportunities for us to learn to walk in faith. They are a chance for us to give up our false sense of control and actually rely on God. If you're ever in a bad storm in real life, don't you feel kind of small? Like, oh my goodness, I have no control over this whatsoever. But it can take a lot of bravery. But there's something special about when God gives us storms and we decide to actually start walking on the water. John Ortberg, Presbyterian pastor and writer, once wrote a book, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Many of us live our lives as the 11 disciples sitting there in the storms of life and we're not willing to take the risk to take the chance to get out of the boat. Sometimes even if we are brave enough to start walking, once the waves really hit and the winds really start getting us in the face, we waver in the waves. We cry out to God for help. Help, save me. Help us. We're dying. But notice in the storm story that Jesus is with them, that Jesus doesn't ignore them, that Jesus does come to Peter's aid, that he does hear them when they wake him up, but that Jesus doesn't always respond the way we want him to. There's a great song used to say, sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms his child. That sometimes what God does is calms the storm, and sometimes what God does is calm us. Because that's who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. The wind and the sea obey him, and maybe we should too. He saves by giving his very life and his care for us. The question is, can you trust enough to get out of the boat and start walking? 
Can you trust so that you are still and at peace in the midst of the storms of life? When you feel unstable, when you're exhausted, when life is crashing into you, can you sit there and be still and trust God's got your back? Now, let me say one more thing. This has been kind of a rah-rah, if you're in the middle of a storm, keep going kind of sermon, but, but some of you have been through storms that have lasted a very long time. And you're exhausted. And there's one more lesson I think you need to hear. And that is the reality that Jesus got tired. And when Jesus, the Son of God, got tired, you know what he did? He grabbed a pillow and he took a nap. Okay, there's sometimes when you're fighting the storm, and sometimes when you gotta fight the storm, and there's sometimes when you're tired, and what you really need to do is grab a cushion and catch some shut eye and rest. Rest shows that you are able to trust God in the storms. And there's a lot of us, and this is me, when I'm in a storm, it's like all hands on deck. I'll stay up all night if I have to to get through this, to get whatever I need to get done. And what I found is that sometimes when that goes on, it's actually a sign that I'm really not trusting God, I'm trusting myself in the storm. Sometimes what you got to do is grab a pillow and rest. So if that's you today, if you've been going through storms in your life, I give you permission to relax and rest. I give you permission to trust God for a little while and take a load off because maybe that's exactly what God is giving to you. Let's pray. Lord, for those who need rest, grant them rest and trust. And for those that need boldness, Help us get out of the boat, wherever we are. Help us to trust you always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.